0: Before we start the show today, uh, I did want to
1: um, address the passing of Nolan Miller. Uh, For those of you that don't know Nolan Miller, didn't get a chance to meet him. He was a local Indianapolis comedian. Uh, I've known him uh, longer than a lot of the comics do uh, have because um, I was friends with his family. So I've kind of known Nolan uh, since he was in high school. Um, he grew into a staple of the Indianapolis comedy scene, uh, a, a very funny comic, but also just like, just like a great human being. Uh, when he passed away, everyone was sharing the messages, the text messages that he sent him. And I'll, I'll be honest when I pass away, no one's going to be sharing my text messages. Um, but he had individually reached out to so many people and just said the kindest things. And, uh, it was just representative of who he was as a human being, um, that all these people had these, um, direct connections. The last couple of times I saw him, he just said the nicest things to me. Um, and I got a ride home with him from a, from a show and just shoot the shit as comics do. And, um, he will be sorely missed. Um, I don't know if most of you knew, but Nolan was gay. Uh, <laughs> he never talked about it, though. No, he talked about it ad nauseum. <laughs> um, so I definitely, in his honor, um, want to put on a put on a show and donate it to some sort of LGBT youth i if there's something lgbt youth in the arts that seems like the most appropriate thing um i never know what to do and and say in these situations um I just just very saddened. it was a it's a loss for for uh me personally but also just a loss for the for the comedy community and um so i just want to say uh rest in power to nolan miller and uh you'll be missed brother And uh, now we'll start the show. Welcome to the Heart of Brunch Podcast. I'm your host, Dag Michaels, and with me as always, my co-host, Thaddeus J. McKee. Slap and And the birthday boy today. Hey! Happy birthday! That's
2: right. Happy hey! Happy
1: black happy birthday, thank you so much.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Been waiting to hear some black happy
1: birthday. And, and a black happy birthday to you too, sir.
2: <laughs> One black happy birthday for you. And Zach, did you get uh, the white a happy birthday queued up for yourself? I'm just going to appropriate. <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
1: And you know that voice. <laughs> On the ones and twos, the wheels of steel, the sauce boss of Indianapolis, and the last white dragon. Give it up for the second birthday boy, Zach Ron. Hey there. Uh, your birthday was technically yesterday. Yeah. But we're going to celebrate it today. Oh, Thanks. And I, uh, I felt I, I owe you an apology because I felt like I was just sending you kind of curt messages yesterday. Oh, I didn't even notice. And then at two a.m., I was like, "Fuck, it's his birthday!" <laughs> it's
3: yeah, a, you
1: made it up at, at two two thirty in the morning, dude. So. I will get it in yeah, under, no. the, under the wire. That's every time. not under the wire. That's no. the next day. <laughs> I was still awake though. I hadn't <laughs> gone to bed. I feel like that still counts. Are you kidding me. And uh, a very special surprise birthday guest in studio, comedian Manny McKelvey. Welcome Hi! to the program.
3: Yay! Happy birthday! Yay! I'm so excited to be here. What an emotional roller coaster it's already been in the last 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. We, sure. Sure. we had a we had a uh, a memoriam. We had return of the mac and now we're doing birthdays. Yeah,
1: It really is the whole uh, circle of life here on the Heart of Bridge podcast. All happening at once. Have you ever been somebody's birthday surprise before? I was
3: just about to say this is a big day for me because I have never I've always wanted to be a gift, one man gives another. <laughs> <laughs> and so this was exactly this was I, when you when you contacted yeah. me I was like, "Oh my god, I will do anything." Yeah. To be I hope it was not a lit Like her her, her awaited all this time for this what birthday the, surprise. It's just Mandy.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Thad, uh, he rates all of our guests on a very specific <laughs> scale. Um, so we wanted to get him... I. <laughs> I you really do sound like a guest. I really wanted... What do you get for the man who has everything, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> We, no, but uh, you, uh, you're uh, you're a talented and wonderful comedian. Uh, you're one of those people that I always say when I when someone hasn't heard of you, I'm like, you know Mandy, right? And they're like, don't. No. I'm like. She should be famous. I don't know right. what's going on it's, with that, but she should be famous. She will be famous, but she should have already been famous. I love your
3: enthusiasm for me, Dyke. That makes me feel so good. It's a sweet spot to be in, though, if you if you if you don't care about money. <laughs> if you want money and stuff, this is a shit spot to be in. But if you if you don't care about money, it's a sweet spot to be in to be, you know, as good as you've ever been, to be able to do as do you know to be able to do and create and to get on nice stages, but to not have a single soul give a shit about you or want anything from you? It's really, honestly, like that's got to be the that's got to be. I mean, because I bet famous people hate. Not having any type of personal life or private life, and when I'm not on stage, it's like I died. No one cares, and I kind of love that.
1: Uh, yeah, see, that's what I was gonna uh, was gonna ask. Outside of ticket sales, yes, would you be? Because like, there's some people that I know that are in comedy who are just like frothing at the mouth to get famous. Oof, and that's my I, I would like to move some ticket sales, but I, I think the idea of being famous sounds yes. terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's
3: terrifying. If we're, when someone asked me once what my ideal. Like who had my ideal career. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's Kathleen Madigan because she okay. is the most respected comic that I know who's famous. She every weekend she flies to a city, she goes into a the like the nicest theater there, sells it out, then afterwards she walks across the street to the nearest Irish pub, sits down and no <laughs> one bothers her. Hey. She goes to the grocery store, like friends come out to see her in every city and she will go out to a bar with them after she's just performed to like 5,000 people who all paid for a ticket with her name on it. And then she'll go sit down and it's just her and her buddies. And like maybe like one or two people might ask her for a photo. She can walk out of the house without makeup on and paparazzi isn't like, she's fucking losing it. (laughs) And like, I think that's got to be the most, because I remember way back in the day when like a Chappelle show was at its height and like Dave Chappelle was like, you know, hiding in green rooms, and people are like banging mm-hmm. on the doors, and everybody's like, "He's flipping out," and I'm like, "You, you literally won't leave him alone." Yeah, like right. I'm flipping out too. I'm yeah, you're taking a too.
2: stick and hitting a cage. Yes. <laughs> Very yeah. I, I want to get so famous that like I have to wear breakaway clothing <laughs> just to run away from the people like grabbing at me, like get off And it, just snaps off. There's gonna be like you know some s- skins underneath, and like I, I want to have to like have like like a makeup crew like a full time makeup crew yeah. like, where i'm getting prosthetics like like i'm getting like i'm getting like a fro you know something like a wig every different day like and then like people will be looking for me like that it's going to be like a where's waldo
1: you know what i think would be a good move beach body double so oh. you never go to the beach you go to the beach but you don't actually go on the beach you switch out with your body double oh. and they just kind of stand in the water and flex i'll have this big hat yeah, have the abs. yeah. yeah. and then you have sunglasses on yeah i
3: think that's but where are you gonna find someone with cute full face like you have but like abs <laughs> Like Wait. who's pulling off Adorable cheeks we're d- And d- abs. It's, We're
1: doing a deep fake okay. So we're just gonna have to <laughs> okay. Deep fake over the yeah. You know okay. we Just yeah. get the We just get the abs Just get the abs We'll paint it We'll put it all in
2: post <laughs> Yeah like we'll meet Out in the water And I'll like go on And snorkel Yeah And then they'll <laughs> pop up And pops where We'll be like taking pictures I like that Yeah yeah, I mean that's that's my goal. That's your goal. Yeah. And people say I'm crazy for it? No. I said they're wrong.
3: You're so close.
2: So I'm almost there. Yeah.
1: Man, so you are I feel like right now you are the queen of the the Midwest and the South. That's I feel like So cute. I feel like you have the whole middle of the I don't know what you're doing on the coast, but I feel yeah, like you nothing. have the whole middle of the country. In a frenzy. Um, that's
3: so sweet. Cause then cause like I just got an Instagram four months ago. So that's so <laughs> sweet. It's so nice. I have like nine hundred followers. That's so nice.
1: You're a you're a real road dog though. Yeah. You are you're out there but you also have uh like a grown up real career.
3: I do. Too, but which is insane. Which, it was an accident though. It was always I mean, because I've been doing the same job as long as I've been doing comedy, and it was always like a you know, I'm doing this because you, you, you've got to feed yourself. You got to take mm-hmm. care of yourself. And, and I, you know, left South Carolina and moved to Louisville for school and just, you know, I was just like eating and, and, and paying rent. And so when I started open micing, I was, uh, I was not like a, I mean, I, I it's, it's odd to say this because I always knew that I would do this, mm-hmm. but I was not natural in that way. Like I, I grew extremely slowly. I don't I don't think I had a clue how to talk like myself for like 10 years. Mm. I just wasn't getting any I was getting better like internally where I was like getting more comfortable, but I was not outwardly showing anything. Everybody liked me in my town like in my little scene. Yeah. But it was like I wasn't Just It wasn't like this meteoric thing where you're like, oh, wow, she's going to be somebody. It was just like, Mandy's cool. She's, I like her material. She's got her own thing going on. But it was never like, wow. And I was not showing. I was doing the same set for like five years because I was too scared to like fail and try new stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept doing my job because I was just like, what what else are you going to do? It's not like I had all this work coming at me. And just like anything else, if you do it long enough you just start to like fail upwards. Yeah. So mm. I just kept going in my job and after a while you just move up and people trust you and you're so like now I'm really successful at my day job, which is odd, Just <laughs> so, it's like, it's a, it's like a terrible relationship. Like the less I care, the more they're like, I love her. Yeah, I never want to let her go. And I'm like, oh, I'm not, I really, I need to take off another month. And they're like, yeah, whatever you need to do, just come back home.
1: And, what, and what's your day job?
3: So I'm the director of therapy at a psychiatric hospital, and it is hilarious all day, but not in a way that translates to stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. not in a way that I can talk about and because it is, you, we've, you know, it's, it's, it's truly an inside joke. It's like mm-hmm. the way you cope within mm-hmm. such a wild ass environment yeah. all day, you know, cause we'll just be like laughing about the sickest shit yeah. and it's if I worked at it, I could make it translate, but why would I want to do, you know, why would I want to yeah. be like, no, I really need you all to get on board with how actually funny mental <laughs> illness is. It's actually quite amazing if you really think about it. It's
1: kind of like how like soldiers and nurses yeah. have kind of yet yeah, yes. to deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the thing that a lot of, I feel like young comics don't understand. It's like the, the heavier, the joke, the funnier it has to be. Yes, yeah. they just want to hit you with the heavy part. Yes. Yes. We did a, uh, We did a mic in Georgia, and there was oh wow. We were in Atlanta. This woman got up there and just was just basically just talking about being assaulted by her uncle. But there there was no there was no punchlines. It was was she's like I just wanted to say
3: this out loud. (laughs) Yeah. Get this off my chest. She truck. just
1: said it and then laughed about it and then made everyone feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I was like, "You got to put a joke in there somewhere." Yeah. <laughs> this is-
3: I'm always amazed yeah. by that tactic of being like, "I'm going to tell you this fucking awful thing," and then when people don't laugh, they're like, "Oh, you don't like rape jokes?" <laughs> and like, "Oh no, I don't. I like jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like jokes pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I. You really have to." bring comedy to people if you want to if you want them to get on board with something that's Mm -hmm. really heavy you really have to work at it and i and if i'm going to put that much work into bringing something to you i want to make sure it's something that i feel passionate about something personal and i don't feel passionate about making fun of a kid who threw shit at me last thursday (laughs) yeah that's just funny at work and it does not have to be funny on stage.
1: I feel like a lot, I feel like a lot of your material is uh, inwards. Like it definitely yeah. is like making fun of yourself and, <laughs> and, and, and uh, your responses to your life. Yes. you know just kind of like how uh, you know stuff that I'm sure when it maybe happened originally wasn't as hilarious. Right. but then you find the, the humor in it and, and turn it man.
3: I don't think there's any, I couldn't, I would, I mean, it's not like things don't happen externally to me that I don't find funny, but I, you know how it is. We're friends with the funniest people on the planet. So they get, you know, they do that stuff. Like I'm friends with the most amazing observational comedians and the best writers Mm -hmm. I've ever met in my life. And they can have, they can see an external experience and have the hottest, funniest takes on it. I'm not that quick. The only thing I sit around and think about is like personal experience because that's what I write about. And you can't steal that stuff. Yeah. You know, you can't. Right. You don't have to worry about that parallel thinking or anything. Like, I
2: mean, I try to steal your stuff.
3: <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> it did not work out. It's really hard being a middle-aged white woman for you, though. Dad.
2: It's been hard. <laughs> <laughs> so hard.
1: Uh, yeah, I, uh, I... I just think I don't know. I'm 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 just an actual fan, you know, like Aww. And uh, but like, I feel like the same way Then that that's why I don't um, do like political like material. There's so many people that do it better. No, they're so good. And I'm just like, I don't I don't know what I would add. Yeah. What was your. So you said you, you were kind of talking at the beginning of your comedy where things weren't clicking. Yeah. And it was a slow going. What would you say was like your like aha moment or when did things start to kind of turn around or was it just a slow that's progression? What,
3: that's what sucks. You just become yourself one day and there is no moment like, I, I will say what, what helped me the most was when, it was maybe 10 years ago, we started doing Character Assassination, our character mm-hmm. roast series, and um, and now we, you know, I've probably done, like, I think I've done, like, over 200 shows of, with them, and it's always, wow. I have to become a character, so it's either I'm always some other woman, or some inanimate object and I would have to write a new 10 minutes as that person in oh. in their per- so I'm not just like, oh, I'm I'm writing about like, you know, like if God forbid we would always do like a Star Wars roast, inevitably when one of those would come out, and it would be like, I'm not just saying how I feel about Darth Vader. I'm saying how I feel as his mm-hmm. daughter or whatever. Yeah. And so it's when I had to write as other people I stopped being so self-conscious and learned to write. I love that. Yeah, because when I was trying to... I, I so wanted to be myself, mm-hmm. but you don't know yourself. You don't know how other people perceive you. I mean, if you do know yourself, God bless you. You're ahead of the game. Mm. I knew who I didn't want to be on stage, but I had no idea who I was. And I have no idea. I still have no idea how people perceive me. I'm always kind of shocked at like what people's impression of me is. But when I could leave that alone and just be like what how does she feel about this then like I just learned to write and that's when I stopped being scared and just was like none of this matters because I was having to burn a new 10 minutes every month yeah as a different woman. What
2: a great writing exercise. Yeah, it was exactly. incredible. That's okay. awesome. Like Jerry Casbaum, he's the one that told me you have to see yourself as a caricature and, yes. and write for that person mm. and step out of yourself.
3: Exactly.
2: And then, um, like, and that's what you were actually doing. You're doing different characters, well, and, but like
3: and prior to that, I was just too close to it. I'm like, I don't, you know, I didn't want to put myself in a box, but now I'm like, Oh, and I also thought none of my experiences would translate. And I'm like, well, they don't translate in that they're mine, but they absolutely translate and say it's 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 it would be narcissistic of me to think that every other, you know, woman my age can't know exactly what I'm trying to say if yeah. I explain it well enough. Yeah. If I yeah. if I find the right way to say it, mm-hmm. then I'm gonna connect. And so once I realize that like I'm not as special as I think I am, and yet at the same time I'm special in that. I can put words to this thing that you don't know how to say about yourself. And that now I have this beautiful thing where I used to, I used to do comedy. Like I was just doing a monologue. I was just talking. I was just like, I have this script I'm going to say to these people. And now I feel like I'm in a full conversation where they're only allowed to make faces and like little sounds and you just can't (laughs) talk back, which is my ideal conversation. Yeah.
2: So this is my question because, like, like you said, doing a from a monologue to actually putting pizzazz on the stage and like actually having that energy, like it's a real conversation. When did that switch for you? Because, because I, I got the privilege to perform with you in Louisville, and you were just like on fire on the stage and like boom, 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 and everybody was just having this real interaction. And so I was just wondering, like, when did that
3: click for you? You know, I think it's when I stopped. It, you know what it is? I didn't mean, there was no moment, but when you go through and you all know that cause you're Midwestern comics, like, you know how we are always being put in like cities that have no comedy clubs. Mm-hmm. So it'll just be like a, a restaurant or a bar <laughs> yeah, in boy. the tiniest town. And this is the only entertainment they're going to get for a month. So the whole town rolls out. Yeah. They're excited to have you, but like, they're not comedy savvy. So you end up, you know, they're, they're just looking at you like you're a person talking to them. So they're looking at you and you're trying to explain a concept to them and you're looking in their faces and you're waiting for that moment of recognition. And I I also learned how to do that. Uh, one time I, I was a baby open micer and I got to host for Seton Smith when he was coming through Louisville and he was the first headliner who took a minute, pulled me aside because I was monologuing to the audience and he pulled me aside and he was like, he was like, He's like, you know, let them get their energy up first. He was like, talk to them, ask them what they're here for. Just He goes, and then pretend that whatever they answer made you think of a bit. He goes, you can still do all your bits, Mm -hmm. but just be like, give the impression that somehow what they said is connected to what you're about to say. And that was the first time where I would receive and then give back. And he was going nuts. Because I listened to him and did it, yeah. And in his, I think he'd just been working with a bunch of like little assholes who were <laughs> like, "I got this," <laughs> yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god!" Someone took time to yeah. sit with me and like explain how I didn't know how. to host. Nobody teaches you how to host. Mm-hmm. That the job sucks. Yeah. And like, I just was like, "Oh my gosh!" And once I realized that people respond to you so much better if they think you hear them, too, even though they're not supposed to be talking. And, like, I know everybody's worst fear is, like, a bachelorette party, Mm. but I fucking love them. Because, well, I get it. I get, well, like, you got to think, like, you know, comedy, it's a terrible idea to take a bachelorette party to a comedy show because they don't realize it's like going to a movie. You have to be quiet. Yeah. They think laughter is a party and we're going to yell and woo and they're pointing to her and mm-hmm. she's got the sash on and everybody's Somebody's like Somebody's always is way, is way too nightmare. drunk off top. Yes, yeah, And yeah, they're yeah. already lit and they're like, everybody's like, this is my nightmare. And then guys <laughs> will go out there cause it was, you know, particularly 15 years ago, you know, men outnumbered women 20 to one in comedy. So the guys would go out there and the girls would be out there like, "Where is she she's getting married?" And the guys would immediately just start like shitting on that. You know, shitting on like, mm. you know, the, either that they're going loud or that you know, no one cares or you know, you're not the one with the microphone or whatever. And then the girls would get really mad and cross their arms or just be pissed. The
0: whole,
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm like, "Man, you know, you like obviously she's not in the right place, but you fucking failed as a comp, you failed her yeah. because you don't you don't just make people feel shitty about themselves to make them shut up. And I, as a woman was like, I could put myself in her shoes and be like, man, if my girlfriends, you know, miscalculated, mm. if this was like my night <laughs> yeah. and they drug me out to a place where we couldn't make noise, you know, what would, what would I really want? What would I appreciate? And cause like, I've never been married or anything, but if I did, I would be the worst human you've ever met. Like, I would be, I mean, I would be going around town just demanding <laughs> attention. I would do, I would take my tits out if that's what I had to do. And so, like, the idea, and I, so I'm like, oh, so she just, you know, ask her questions. She gives me a little, little info. I let her know that I'm genuinely happy for her because I, that kind of delusional thinking is still where I want to be. <laughs> like, I wish that I could still be in that mindset of, like, this is it. This is the most important thing that's ever going to happen to me. This boy, this is it. I, we're going to be so fucking happy, and I don't really have to work on myself from this moment forward. And surely my career will just fall into place, and I won't hate him in two years. And I, <laughs> I love that. I want that. I want that. That look at them—they have all this collagen in their face. They're so beautiful. They don't even like. They even still have baby fat in their cheeks. They're <laughs> so, and they're just so hopeful. And I genuinely love that. And so I'll chat with them a little bit and then I'll just sort of roll into some of my shit. Cause you know, dating in your forties is like their nightmare. So I become mm. a cautionary tale to <laughs> them. Oh, <shit>. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, Cause that's like what they're trying to avoid. To, that they don't want to have, they don't want to have to keep dating after they're not hot anymore. <laughs> and so like I can tell, and I'm, and we, and they feel like they've been heard and they'll pipe down. Yeah, Occasionally they'll, woo or get a little chatty and all you have to do is just take your jokes back to them and just be like, this girl knows what I'm talking about. And then they're like, Oh, we're in it. We're still in it. We're still this. It's all about us. Yeah. And you can do your material. And I just think like, I love I love giving people their night too. And they don't have to be allowed to talk and monopolize to have a night Mm -hmm. that feels like it's about them. They're going to remember what a good time they had. They're going to love you. I I used to just, it was weird to want to be a comic and really hate people, (laughs) but I used to really hate people. And I, cause I didn't, I didn't know how to be, I didn't know how to share Mm -hmm. the moment, but now every it's every psychology, everybody wants to feel included. Everybody wants to feel special. Most people don't want to take the mic and be the center of attention. They just want to feel like, you know, they're there and it matters. Mm -hmm. And I just, I kind of get it shit kick out of that now like then we all had a good time and I got to serve all my narcissism everybody had a great night
1: that's great that you've looked because it there is sometimes where it feels like you're almost like a lion tamer up there and I'm very weak at like I I still am kind of in the stick to my material stage and if somebody you know I try to knock them out yeah I mean (laughs) I'm like a reverse Chris Rock I will I will just kick you you. (laughs) No, but uh, I mean, I've, I've barked it because I've, I've always hated when people went too hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just like, there's no warning shot. You just like, someone says one thing and it's like, oh, fuck your mother.
3: And he's like, whoa, yeah, whoa. why? Why the aggression? <laughs> uh,
1: but it, I, it is kind of jarring sometimes, especially when you are, like you said, monologuing. Yeah. Which was very astute because that's what <laughs> it, because like sometimes I'll catch myself and I'm like, I'm not even present right now i don't know where i'm at but i'm just my mouth is moving i'm saying my i'm doing my routine but i'm not present in the room
3: and And then if
1: someone says something it it'll knock you off your tracks oh yeah
3: well it's you know and and some sometimes you go into a setup and it's unavoidable you are just getting through it because no i mean i was doing the thing where people turn their backs to me Mm. like they were just eating and turn their backs and That's just rude. sat there and had conversations among themselves because the venue just sort of didn't really know how to make a comedy show and these people really didn't understand how to be an audience it wasn't a club dad has
1: been turned around the whole time should he be looking at you <laughs> he said,
3: you know it's fine i'm used to it i, I was gonna say all this i'm just monologuing. <laughs> I was going to, I planned all this in the car. I wrote this out. Well, it is my birthday. (laughs) It's about me right now. Yeah. I mean, I, sometimes it's unavoidable. You do the gig, you do your time, Mm -hmm. you have to go. But now I'm getting to the stage and I love this part of it where I'm like, I'm looking and I'm like, man, there has got to be a way to make this work. Even if I just find one person, even if they're not even a good laugh or if they're just looking at me interested. Yeah. I'll just start talking to them. I get I'll get one person involved. And I love the feeling of like, okay, if I can't get this audience, then these 3 people that are looking at me are going to get the best I've got. And then I'll just try to give it to them just to avoid standing up there and saying words into the ether. And I, I, I really enjoy the performance element. And of course, the more comfortable you get, the more you don't, you can veer from your material and the more fun it is to be in the moment. And well, I mean, last night there was a couple having the loudest argument in the front row Mm -hmm. of the club. And I let it go for a long time because (laughs) literally the rest of the audience was amazing. And it was, but like they were, their argument, they were arguing over the speaker system. Like they were, so they were loud. At this point, they were louder than me. And they were a couple. So they were six inches from each other's face, looking right at each other. And just, it was like they were like eating each other's words. They were just yelling in uh-huh. each other's mouths. Their own friends were so embarrassed. And they were like, stop, stop. She's looking at you. She can mm-hmm. hear you. Stop. And they didn't even care. Yeah. Like they didn't understand it. And then the host got them and they still didn't understand it. And shit like that. You know, there's, there's not. You know, I'm not a magician. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I can do, but I can make the. But the rest of the audience is definitely uncomfortable with that too. Yeah. So I can make them feel more comfortable about what's happening, and I'll be like, you know, just stay with me. We're gonna have a good time. Yeah. Like, because if you know, some comedy clubs are just not good about getting rid of hecklers mm-hmm. anymore. I did a show in February as a venue, like a brewery, and they never had had a show before. So obviously you go into a situation like that and you're like, shit, they're not going to understand seating. They're not going to understand the sound system. The lighting's going to be crap. The vibe is going to be weird. And not only did they nail it, but a man made some weird sounds during my set. And then what it was just like, it, they were like, I was like, it sounded like it was gonna be laughter, but then it was just like, Aah. and oh. then I was like, oh, I don't wanna say anything because, like, maybe that's how he. Laughs, so yeah. like, I don't want to be an ass. Well, that, that is how I laugh. So. <laughs> so I was like, Bad, get out of here. And so <laughs> I, or it might be like, like, a, oh, shit. like a special need situation. Exactly. Or something. And I was wow. like, Oh, well, let me just give it a minute. And so then I, you know, I, I'd said another thing and he started again. And I was like, Oh, well, then I look and the people around him are starting to look a little annoyed. And I was like, Oh, he's just really drunk. Oh. And he's trying to make himself more a part of it. And he's just sort of lost his ability to read the room, you know. Right. And so the second time he made noise, the manager of that brewery picked him up by his like elbow. I saw mm. that guy get taller and threw him out in the snow <laughs> and locked the door. And I was like, I am moist, <laughs> right.
2: and I was really cold. Yeah, yeah. And then and then
3: and then that guy who we will call Thad. Yeah. You know the word on the street is he pulled his dick out when he was oh. outside. Oh shit! So he was that drunk. <laughs> okay. he was that drunk. I remember that part. Yeah, no, he we, was making noises. And he was like, "I gotta pee, you guys." But <laughs> oh. it was I. You know, comedy clubs they don't they don't get as you know mm, I don't want to say aggressive, but just as 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 forceful with hecker, hecklers as they used to. Mm-hmm. And you know they don't have like dedicated security. It's just like a kid who's like, "I just worked the door, please don't make me." Yeah, because it's uncomfortable to like, it's uncomfortable
1: throw somebody out that has an open tab. You know, it's yes. all it can be an old thing, or that has their dick out. Yes. <laughs> and
3: you risk making the show worse by mm-hmm. yeah, having a the confrontation. In the so I get it, I get the hesitation, but when that guy tossed out that guy, who <laughs> I mean, a man physically aggressed a man who interrupted me. So yeah. I was like bluge this, this is great i can't what am i gonna do now
1: that is a great place to take a break and <laughs> we will be right back with
3: more mandy mckelby <laughs> your love is
0: fading your love is fading your love is fading I feel it's fade.
2: When well, no one ain't around. I feel it's
0: fade.
2: I think I think too much. I feel well, it's
0: fade.
2: Ain't nobody watching. I
0: feel it's fade.
2: I just fade away. I
0: feel Fade away. I feel it.
2: Too much. Your love is I feel
1: it. up, up, Hi, and welcome back to the Heart of Brunch podcast. Uh, do you ever go out?
2: Did oh, you guys shit. just have a cheers go around? Uh, we cheers and then like uh, liquid ended up on her. Oh, no. Uh, I look like the abuser. She looks like the <laughs> victim right now. <laughs> That doesn't happen often.
3: <laughs> you know, can
2: we get a towel for her? You know, uh, oh,
3: it just does, If there's even just a, yeah, a, a like a Kleenex, it's not even that bad. It look it looks bad. Thank you, darling. Yeah,
2: I, I didn't know it was that full. Cool. You must have got a <laughs> refill.
3: We got excited. Yeah,
2: we did. That's what happens when you listen to Faith.
3: It's a great well, that's song. Well, that's like
2: so like a real Cheers
1: is supposed to be hard enough that both of your drinks are supposed to slosh into the other person's oh, yeah. drink. Oh, for sure. Is that not real? all over the clothes they're wearing, but actually <laughs> like from one drink yeah. to another? Oh, no.
3: No, we definitely cheers. Uh
1: so I was going to ask you Mandy, have you uh have you noticed um that some of these bars that we're doing these comedy shows in are actually starting to uh, offer some non-alcoholic beers and cocktails. Have you seen that?
3: I've seen a lot of mocktails lately, which is very cute.
1: It's becoming uh, a big thing. I just went on the road, and I've been taking a a few months off of drinking. Have you? So I went to a brewery with Dwight Simmons, and um, (laughs) I was actually surprised I had a few non-alcoholic beers. And we have uh, some friends of the show at Parched Pavement that are doing a zero-proof party. Uh, this Tuesday at Tinker House Events, um, it's a zero proof party. What is that, you ask? It's going to be a bunch of mocktails. It's going to be a bunch of non alcoholic drinks, CBD, uh, probably some CBD infused cocktails. It's going to be uh, ten dollars. You can tickets online. It's at t- Tinker House Events. I'm going to be there. Um, it's basically like you would just walk around and try a bunch of awesome drinks that, and none of them, none of them have booze in them.
2: Nice. That's great
1: um and that's
3: great because you know we we have to drive a long ways after our shows yeah so like it sucks to go to shows and you want to celebrate and participate mm-hmm. in the show but you know you've got like a four-hour drive and you can't overdo it
1: it was weird to me that um because I was a person who would always kind of laugh at the idea of like a an alcoholic beer right but I was uh, definitely not drinking and I was sitting with someone that was And then I had a non-alcoholic beer and it was like full bodied and it was like hoppy. And all of a sudden I was engaging in this conversation like I was having a beer. And then when I got up to leave, uh, I was like, oh, I expected to be like buzzed and I wasn't. I just kind of popped up and he threw the keys at me. He was like, you're driving. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm. I'm sober. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's fun.
3: <laughs> I wonder if I would just, if I got it out of my mind, or like you didn't tell me, you, were, you told me there was alcohol in something, and there wasn't, mm-hmm. if I would still get all like the same enjoyment out of it. I may do that, because I don't ever really drink enough to get drunk anymore, mm-hmm. but I may actually like just, I think I just want something to have to yeah. be like... I'm having a great night, just something to have in my hand. I
1: like. have a social anxiety, so for me, it's, it works as a nice uh, shield. Mm-hmm. If I have just a, a drink in my hand, uh, it just it protects me from the, the evil
2: forces. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm a firm believer in, like, placebos. Like, yeah. yeah. Placebo everything, you know, placebo drinks. Yeah, well, you said COVID wasn't real, and everybody was getting the shot. It was a placebo. <laughs> right, well... I didn't I said that in confidence. Oh, <laughs> we supposed to talk about that. But you know like cuz like there's like people are, are addicts. Like let's yeah. let's be real. There's addicts. So I'm like um doing this line where it's like placebo coke, uh, placebo <laughs> heroin. This we're, is
3: a placebo podcast. This, yeah, this is <laughs> not, not even a birthday. real This is even a real podcast. Yeah, we're not even recording this. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting the
2: Shrins uh patent by the way. <laughs> patent pending. So
1: uh, we, we were talking, man, you broke a, a lot down about comedy in that first hour that like I'm sitting here, I know we're making a podcast, but I'm just like taking notes. I'm Aww. like, All right, how do I, cause I, I really do like, uh, what I liked the most about that was, um, I like the idea of, I, I think being a comedian is your job is to be entertaining to people. And when I see people, they're like, I'm just going to, you know, face fuck you with my act. And, you know, I hope you don't have any fucking issues with (laughs) that. Don't say nothing. Don't look at me crazy. (laughs) You know, it's just like, what are we doing here? Like, uh, are we, it is an entertainment business, right? That's what we're doing. I
3: think I used to be a little bit like that. Not in an aggressive way, but I, you know, I grew up watching stuff on television. So I think I just thought of it as a non-participatory thing. Mm where You just watch me do something and I, I write it exactly how I want it to go and you just watch me. And now I realize that I can do that. I can I can still do that and still make you feel included and still talk to you. And I've been writing these one-woman shows lately, which are a lot different than just regular stand-up. Mm-hmm. And so they're not as part, like, don't feel as much like a party, but I still really love, like, letting the audience in on how this show is coming together mm-hmm. and making, you know, kind of using their feedback and setting them up for the, it's like a, uh, well, I even love that shit in theater. Like that breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. I'm talking right to you. You're a part of this. This is not on TV. And now I can't, I don't, it would, it, when I do like little, sk- when you know, I have a lot of talent difference. I always want to film a sketch or something mm-hmm. and there's no audience. And I'm always like, that's what's missing. And I, I, now I would greatly miss the interaction. I don't think that I could ever be like an actress because you're just saying words into a box.
1: Yeah. Did you not do any Zoom shows during COVID? I
3: did. But you know, it was funny. Like it changed. It was even kind of better for interaction because I could get really close to the screen mm. and I could do comedy with my face and my body. Uh, I found that all, doing one in a in a roly chair in my office. Yeah. I had set it up, and I've agreed to do some Zoom show at like six p.m. and I just didn't leave the office early enough, so I set my phone up and I was in my office chair, and it was like it was only like six women on the screen, yeah. and I was like, "This is gonna suck ass. What am I gonna do?" And I just told them, I was like, "Keep your mics on. I want to, you know, we're gonna have a we're gonna it's gonna be a little bit more conversational." And I started like rolling, I would roll the chair away to do like body language stuff. And then I would get really close to like do like low talking jokes. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I was And I was like, shit, this is like almost more fun because there's no, there doesn't have to be distance. Yeah. I can get like right up in their fucking faces yeah. and whisper or like, you know, show them something. Yeah. And and I, I was like damn this is like a whole different yeah. way using the whole medium. It was really it, at first it was awful but I got I got into it. I really did. Cuz nobody is watching you on a Zoom show unless they really want to be there. That is true. Nobody <laughs> is just like No one's half in on the <laughs> no, Zoom show. No. Everybody's like we are dying <laughs> to see something.
1: Uh I like the idea of comedy not being cuz I I do fall into this a lot where it's just like everything has to be perfect the audience has to laugh to a certain level or the show was a failure. Yeah. And I like the idea of you know I'm just going to have I'm going to get the most out of whatever the circumstances is yeah. and enjoy that. I I've been trying to lean more towards that, but there is that natural reaction of just like they didn't laugh the way I wanted to yes. or like I, but yeah. I I've noticed this from other people Cause I'll have a great time sometimes, and another comic will be like they sucked, and I'm <laughs> like they were great. What yeah. are you talking about? Like they everyone had fun
3: exactly. Cause you feel them like you, mm-hmm. and you, and then they don't like another guy, and it's so funny. Cause it's like you don't want them to have a bad show, but sometimes you're like, hmm, I am more likable than that guy. <laughs> that guy you know, he's because you know you. Uh, lots of comics are like kind of persnickety and shitty, and they're like a oh, my I am you know they talk. And sometimes that's their whole act is like, I'm smarter than you, Mm. you know? And so, and sometimes that people love that because they want to feel that way too. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people are like, who the fuck are you talking to? And you Mm. really, you know, you struggle to get away with that in front of Midwestern audience who's like, I just got off work from a factory. Who the fuck are you talking to? Yeah. And like, I just paid money for this. Yeah. So I kind of like to be like, I'm not better than anyone. I'm just, I'm just better at talking at you. But I'm not better than you, yeah. and because uh, you know I'm a you know I'm a South Carolina dirt road trailer park baby. So as soon as I start getting full of myself, I just remember how my voice sounds when I hear it back on this podcast <laughs> later, and then I'm like, oh no, I need to calm down. I'm just somebody who learned how to talk at people good. <laughs> That's all.
1: Uh, I didn't notice you were from the South. Is, is, there a, is there an accent in there? It is. It is. It's I thought a, it was Canadian. I
3: worked. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> I No, I, I I was born and raised in South Carolina, and it was like the, I've really fought to get rid of it. Do you? I don't know if you guys are the right age to remember this. It was a real specific time in history. There was a period of time where Madonna started talking British. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. She decided she was just British and everybody was like, Madonna's British. Now she can do whatever she wants. Well, it was around that time that I was maybe in high school and I tried to try out for a play at like a community center that was like 45 minutes away. And the lady told me, she goes, she was like, I love you. You're amazing. I want to cast you in everything real quick. I can't until you lose that accent. And I was like, I'm only 45 minutes from my house. How did this get to this point that right. I sound this way to her? Because I was just like, you know, I couldn't hear all my hard, all my hard I's and A's, you know, mm. I couldn't hear them. And when you can't hear them, you can't oh, you think, can really so. lean into it when oh, yeah. you want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, mom, my mom's, her voice is, I'm just so <laughs> obsessed with her because I just, you know, I talk just like her yeah. and she's, you know, and she's just like, I don't understand what everybody's so upset about you know what is that? What do they mean? I don't. You know, you just sound how you sound. I don't yeah. get it. And so, like, she. I love it. It's butter- just, buttery. Oh, it's so. She her voice is just. Mwah. And you know, no, my dad's isn't because my dad's like dangle bangle. You know, his is <laughs> fun. But my mom's is really my mom's is really comforting. <laughs> and so, like, I was like, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't have an accent and then i was like well how do you lose an accent if you can't hear it so turns out if you want to speak proper english you literally mimic people from england like mm-hmm. when you try to pronounce words correctly the phonetically without an accent you end up sounding slightly english and so i was like so i started talking like that all the time so i could learn it so i could get Whoa. parts and then people started asking me where I was from, like as in like this country. And I was yeah. like, "Uh oh, I've Madonna'd. Yeah, and I gone too far. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully fully would in high school. I I gave up my accent. I really tried to erase where I was from. I was like, just kind of embarrassed. I just wanted to be somebody. You know mm-hmm. how you are when you're yeah. a teenager. You think whatever you are is not good enough. Yeah. So yeah. you have to do a, You have to mimic a thing. So I was like, well, obviously this, you know, I I was so scared people would think I was just trash or something. And now when I think about like now it's so funny because like where I'm from is just like such a huge part of all of my storytelling, yeah. the way that I sound, my the way that I view the world. And I'm just so grateful for where I came from. Like so of my one woman shows, I would say my upbringing is 75 percent of the the stories because you know i mean you know that thing you you experience it i'm sure where you you don't know something's weird until you grow up Mm -hmm. it was just normal when you were a kid so everybody has that where you get older and then one day you're like oh shit that should i should i talk to somebody about that that was i thought everybody had that happen is that not a thing (laughs) and then like that's the girl i love that shit where you now you've got a story as soon as you realize what happened to you wasn't a universal experience,
2: I feel like that's all of Dyke's stories.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, then, there's some truth to that. Then, sir, I'm ready for your one man show. Um, yeah,
1: let's
2: yeah. do
3: that. Yeah,
1: uh, th- I think that's why, like, it, when you like listen to, like old timey like movies and stuff, they have that weird accent,
3: transatlantic accent. Yeah,
1: but it, but that. it's like no one has that accent. No one talked that way. But it was like, now yeah, you're on the trolley, yeah, yes. dame like this, and <laughs> yes. it's like, yes. But I think it was a lot of people from the Midwest in the yes. south trying to cover up their accent and so everyone just yes. talking this weird put on to
3: sound like movie stars yeah. i was doing that i was like really trying to sound like a person that you would want to cast in a play because i didn't know what that was i was mm. just mimicking the culture of what i thought theater was and i just thought well they won't cast me. i didn't think they won't cast me because you know, I wanted to be the stutter goose in Charlotte's Web. And yeah. they were like, well, you, you can't have that accent. And I was like, I didn't think to myself, oh, well, a goose can't be southern. I was just thinking like, oh, I'm not fancy enough. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get fancier.
1: I, I had the same thing growing up and it was Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm biracial and I was raised by in like a white family and went to white schools and it was never like, I don't want to be black, but it was like, I had curly hair and everyone else I knew had straight hair. And you know, it was just like, like it was just anything just like, I just want to be like this. I don't want to be othered. I don't want to be different. I don't want to stand out. And it's, it's interesting to me me now is like all these parts of myself that I used to try to hide now like I feel like the uniqueness and just being authentic is Hell yeah. so like embraced mm-hmm. in, Hell yeah. In, in, yeah. in in comedy I'm like wait all I have to you know like I used to like being being a black nerd in the 80s and 90s was not fucking cool you know not, it like, didn't like, yeah. seem real you had
3: yeah.
2: Urkel <laughs> that was it yeah, yeah. you had
3: Urkel period Willis <laughs> <laughs> what's,
2: what, what's, what you talking about who's that guy that said what you talk, talking about Willis Gary, uh, Gary. Yeah. was he a nerd no, he I was mean, pretty I cool. think he was just odd.
1: He was like an adult pretending to be a child, you know. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think mean, that's a little different. And that was normal in the 80s. That, like, was- that was like, all right. Every once
1: in a while a billionaire would just adopt a couple of black kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. one of them was actually 45 years old. <laughs> <laughs> And then, <laughs> then maybe they get less than a bike shop on a very special episode. <laughs> you know,
2: like that happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can Google that. <laughs> Real quick, I'm not gonna try to get on the buddy trail, but like someone just told me about how MASH ended. <laughs> They're right. I'm I'm not gonna go even into that. There right. The, the that time was weird. People yeah. let a lot of things go. <laughs> Back to the <this> story.
3: <laughs> no, I love that because you it is it is the things that you probably resented the most as a child make you such a great comic, because like I was literally talking about you two, Thad and Dyke, to um, the boys at Character Assassination last week, because oh, wow. we were casting for some upcoming roast, and they were like, uh, and they 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 respect my opinion because I'm out traveling a lot, mm. and some of them are like now they have like wives and children and they're just not out seeing as much talent anymore. And I was like, you know, somebody we need to, I need to ask if they like would be into character work would be Dyke and Thad. And they were like, okay, so, you know, what kind of stuff would they be right for? And I was like, well, I'll talk to them. So send them some pictures of you guys. And then I was able to give them just such an easy, quick synopsis of what your style of comedy is and what your material is like. And it was just so easy because it was like, you're just so yourselves, like you're, you you're so open about like your background and the way that you are like perceive the world and like who you are in the world. And then I was just thinking of like all like the pretentious white guys I know, and I couldn't tell you a thing they've ever said. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a thing they've ever said.
1: Well, they you're like you were like yeah, I have a synopsis of your comedy. I was like, can you leave that for me? <laughs> <laughs> that would be super helpful. Oh. <laughs> it oh, was man.
3: it was it was just so it was easy. Awesome. It was so easy to describe you because I was just like, yeah, this is what they're like. Here's some photos. This is what they're like when they do comedy. This is like their vibe when they do comedy. And it was just like I like, I was like, like, I just wrote you little biographies and just like sent them over. And I was able to do that for a couple other people too. David Brooks mm-hmm. was like, boom. I pitched Tina. And everything was just like so easy because it's just you everything that makes you different is what makes you good and what makes you Somehow relatable, even though your experience isn't like the people that you're talking wow. to. Yeah. Somehow it makes it relatable. And I do not know how that works. Like the more different you are, if you can describe that to people, the more they connect to you.
1: Yeah, it is in the the execution yeah. of the description.
3: Yeah, yeah. If you um, can make them realize what it was like to be you, then they feel connected to you.
1: Who was, who was the... Who are the comics that you looked up to when you were when you were a kid that that did that because yeah. it the, the, that's why we liked them right yes. it was like all the people that I looked up to had vastly different experiences oh, yeah. and but I and mean, I want to
2: add another question to that layer sure. like when you were a kid and then also when you were in comedy yes so there's like there's two different layers that happens but keep going Dyke, sorry
3: well when I was f- I wanted to be a comic since I was five and it was I had. My, I had a much older brother. And so when he was gone all the time for like football and shit, I would go in his room and just go through absolutely every single thing he owned because <laughs> he could have stuff that I wasn't allowed to have because he was much older. Yeah. So he had like, you know, rated R movies and books with curse words in sure. them and, and music that I didn't know about. And so I found these two cassette tapes in his room. And one was Bill Cosby himself, mm. and the other one was Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And I memorized them both backwards yeah. and forwards. And I didn't even realize the difference between them. I didn't realize one was like this family mm. man, yeah. and one was like this like really sort of like you know pushing, edgy, wild guy who cursed. I, I, I was too young to know the difference. I didn't even know what stand-up comedy was. But I just knew these I, – I felt like they were both – Despite what we now know yeah. about Bill, I felt they made me feel like they were both telling, just talking about their lives. Mm. I did not feel these were jokes. I did not feel performed at. Yeah, I felt like this is two men who are beautifully describing their day and everybody is going apeshit. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. like, Melting down, yeah. and because Bill Cosby's talking about his son giving mm. himself a stupid haircut, and Richard Pryor's talking about being like on drugs in the middle of a field in India or something, mm-hmm. and I'm like not connecting that these are not normal experiences mm-hmm. for people, but everybody is like so into it, and I remember being like, that's what I want to do. I just want to talk about myself, tell stories about my life. I don't want everybody to lose their mind. And at no point was I able to realize that that was what stand-up was. Yeah. And I went to tell my mom a joke because I was like obsessed with them. I was five years old. I went, she was putting on her makeup, went in there to tell her a joke. Cause I was in love. I was in love. And I was going to tell her a joke that I had heard on the cassette that I was going to be like, Oh my God, this is, you know, the funny, I'm going to make my mom laugh. And I, I, I should have chosen one of the Bill Cosby jokes, yeah. but I didn't know. So I chose one of the Richard Pryor jokes. And I don't remember what the joke is, but I definitely know that the punchline was pussy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like five and I'm just like walking there in my ruffles and my bows. And my mom's putting on her makeup and I was like, boom, 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 pussy. And my mom was putting on her makeup and she just turned and looked. <laughs> And that was you know in my you know southern home, so you know yeah. my mom will chase your ass with a frying pan and so and she just got this fucking like devil look on her face, and I took off for I didn't know what pussy was, but I knew I'd fucked up and yeah. I took off running, and she chased me to my room um and she was gonna absolutely kick my ass for saying that, but I really didn't know what it was. I just knew he said it, and I heard hundreds of people filled with joy yeah Yeah. filled with joy and I was like that's all I want to do just say what I'm what I want to say and then people lose their mind I had no idea that those were jokes or it was a craft Mm -hmm. or that it was written they gave me the impression they were just talking to me and that was my dream I just want to talk
1: well Richard Pryor you're I guess pretty lucky like you didn't repeat the N-word to your mother. I know, I know. Like, There's a good well, possibility. Well, well, see,
3: I'm from South Carolina, so that was the word I knew. That was oh. the one word I actually <laughs> did know what that was. Like, well, I'm not going to do that one. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. That's, that's good. the one. But, I knew that one. But, the rest of them yeah. I didn't know, but I, the N-word I was familiar <laughs> with. Yeah.
2: That's a sign to birth in South Carolina. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, we were real familiar with that one.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> pussy's a better choice of words, I think, and it brings more people joy.
3: It did. It did. It brought everyone so much joy. What was
2: your uh, what was What was your question? About? So, so that was your childhood. Yes. Yeah. Um, when you got into comedy, uh, let's say seasoned, who's someone that you looked up to? It
3: was Kathleen Kathleen, Kathleen? Madigan. She now this was right before I started. I saw her do a 30 minute Comedy Central special. I was probably a teenager. It was maybe the late 90s when she did it, maybe. And I, at this time, at that time, it was not a good thing to talk about being a woman. It was, it was, that was more of a novelty act in comedy. Mm-hmm. So it was actually considered kind of you pigeonholing yourself. You don't want to be a woman comic. Mm. And I watched Kathleen's 30 minutes on Comedy Central. And to this day, I've, I've rewatched it to make sure I didn't miss it. You could take a transcript of that 30 minutes, and you would not know if a man or a woman did that. She oh, wow. never mentioned wow. herself. She never used pronouns. She never talked about dating. She was wow. just doing jokes about shit traveling and her family. Never mentioned being a girl in any way. And at that time, that was the dream. Because you wouldn't... you she was just the best and she wasn't the best female comic yeah. I'd ever seen. She was the best fucking comic I'd ever seen. And uh, many years later, when I got to meet her, I was like, ha- I was actually like hanging out with her at an Irish pub after one of her shows. And uh, you know, and, and, and I finally got up the Courage to like because before I was just like, thank you, thank you for, my, you know, making her so uncomfortable because I was being such yeah. a weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, finally I got a little bit looser and I said, you know, I really, you know, the, I just wanted you to know what you meant to me because I'm not just a fan. I, I didn't know that it was possible to be a female comic without being a female comic until I saw you and you you changed the game for me. because And I told you just what I said, you know, you could have taken a transcript And I, and her, you know, every, you know, she was very gracious and lovely and normal and taking all these compliments very well from me and everybody. But when I said that her whole face shifted and she like literally put her arm around my neck and got real close to me. And she goes, and she goes, she goes, and I did that on purpose. Thank you for knowing that. She goes, I did that on purpose. She goes, because it was none of anybody's business who I was fucking. And I just want you to know I was fucking Lewis Black at the time. <laughs> was nobody's business who I was fucking at that time. And I, my whole, I died. I died. Mm. Because, you know, now she's, you know, I, I, she, even though she still doesn't say one word about it, she, you know, her traveling partner is her longtime girlfriend. And mm. she's, but at that time it was like she was making her way through comedy and she didn't want anyone to be, she did not ever want to be accused of us of it being a woman thing or like who she was sleeping with mm-hmm. because she had the chops and she was better than anybody else, male or female. And, you know, that's why when, uh, last comic standing had a little bit of that, like, you know, they got called into question as if they were like valid or not, mm. or, uh, in order to bring back clout and be like, look, we are a serious comedy competition. The first person they got to be a judge was her to give it more clout. yeah. Yeah. If Kathleen's participating, you know, it's real. Yeah. And I just thought that was the coolest fucking moment because she, she did it and I felt it 20 years, you know, 40 years ago, however long it was like she did it. And I, it came through the TV affected me Set me on a course because when I first started, I would never mention being a girl. And yeah. now my whole you know, act is just the sound of like one vagina clapping or whatever. <laughs> like, but that's because now I feel good about me. Yeah. But at the time, I would never speak about mm. boys, dating, being wow. a girl. And that was because of Kathleen. I was like, I have to be, I can't be a female comic. Mm-hmm. I have to be the best comic to get noticed. And I can't be a female. I just have to be good. And I have to leave all that woman shit behind. And now it's so funny to think that I that yeah. that was a real thing. But yeah. it was a real yeah. thing. Well, it was.
1: And the and the game has changed even since yes. you've been in comedy. It's 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 always a real like I'm well, not dicey, but like I, I'm very interested in g- getting the difference perspective, but I hate I never want to be the guy who's like, talked about being a lady comic, <laughs> right, you know, like right. but like uh stuff like that's very interesting to me in the history it because is. like there is a thing too where like you know, and I hate. I also hate when people are like, oh, these female comics are telling pussy jokes. I'm like, you know how long guys have been telling dick jokes, right? And take my wife, please, right? Say that. And now uh, you got to sit around and, and, and listen to somebody bag on men a little bit. Right. Like, let's like, go. Like, like,
2: let's go for all you haters out there. Dike <laughs> right.
0: just said it. <laughs>
1: But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, wow, that's, that's so interesting. Cause, like, that's, that's nothing like a, a man would never have that ex- ever. Yeah. I can't think of a time a man would have the experience of like, I had to worry about talking about being a perspective for being yeah. a man, because that is the standard. That yes. is the, you know, like you th- that's crazy. Get,
3: even by, even by women, I didn't even enjoy female comics because it was in my mind. I was like, Oh, she's talking about like her period and boobs. And I, in my mind, I was like, they're, because I've, I've, you know it, it sucks. You, it, I mean, I mean, God, as as black guys, you know what it's like when one person represents your whole thing. Sure. You know, so there's so few female comics. Like if one of them
1: slapped another one, and they going to print awards. guys,
3: exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like there were so few female comics that everything that every one of them done, it was like that was how people felt mm-hmm. about females in general yeah. as comedians. So never one was talking about period or being like oh my husband I would get so nervous because I'd be like that's not well first of all I was young and didn't have either of those things yet but (laughs) I was also like that's how people are gonna think about us and so when Kathleen did it you know it it sucks but sometimes you can't imagine something until you see it happen you can't even imagine it if it's if you so when I saw her do that it was the first time that the world opened up to me that I said It's real. I'd wanted to do it Mm -hmm. because I was so obsessed with Cosby and Pryor, but only when I saw Kathleen did I understand that it's actually possible for me and it changed everything. And, but even as early as 2005, 2006, I was still not speaking about being a girl on stage, which oh, is wow. I was tying my hair up in a ponytail and not wearing as much makeup and wearing jeans. Now, that had been the advice of many comics at really? the time. Yeah, because it was like at, that was still the early aughts, which was, you know, the limp biscuit years where Sex was sort of having a, a new, like it was being reprised. <laughs> well, like the 90s was all about... Riot girl and Bikini Kill and fucking mm. Courtney Love and fuck you and women and we were like not showering and being real gross and awesome <laughs> and just like when the whenever the pendulum swings one way yeah. you you always feel it swing hard back yeah, yeah. there's a reaction Dashings. yes <laughs> the early aughts was that like um that sort of like that rise of like the fuck boy yeah. limp Mountain Dew douchebaggery. Yes, yes and so <laughs> mm. that swung back and it was like more it got grosser and harder there and that was when I started comedy in those years and so I was like really struggling to you know go again it was and that was what you know in anything that's going on in the culture that's what we were hearing in comedy mm-hmm. so those were the kinds of guys who were on stage they would just you know i would you know they'd be introducing me and they'd be like you know she's well everybody else got three tonight but she got four minutes so i don't know whose dick she had to suck but welcome to the stage this girl Jesus. like what? it was like no thing to be brought up at open mic says we got a hey gentlemen get your cameras out. We got a lady coming to the set. I mean, nothing. And you, it sounds like I'm talking about a thousand years ago, but it was like 2000 fucking six. Yeah. And so, Oh, I believe it. Yeah. So it was just the things people would say and people would, would say to me, like, you can't be so sexy on stage. And I would just be like a person.
1: Yeah. I'm wearing overalls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I got, mm-hmm. I
3: started doing things I would never do. I, start you know be like i would wear jeans and and t-shirts which is i don't think i fucking own jeans and t-shirts and i would just be like i have to be not hot in any and I have to look like i'm not trying at all and that's people will take me seriously and now like i'm you know full drag you know fucking 23 hours a day and i just i love that i love what what it's what you become as you get older that's why I, like that, you're just like on your birth. Well, I'm a big birthday girl, and so that like on your birthday, I love that. Like seeing yourself, because I was. I think we weren't on being taped when I told you this, but like I think you're not just going to get so much cuter. Like obviously, physically, I think you're going to really thrive when you get to 40 one day. But yeah. like your personality is going to be because you don't have a you don't have a vibe that says like I'm only going to be able to really. Pull off this personality because I'm young. You like you'll just get more like kind of like sage in that way, and you'll just people will just you just have this relaxed vibe, and it'll just age so well. Thank you so much. And I'm gonna
2: and I'm honestly gonna look up what Sage means
3: uh, for personality. I thought it was green.
2: So, but I'm going to look that up. I can't sure, wait. I can't wait. I'm like, oh, that's I what she's saying.
3: I do. I've got, I've become a fan of aging because I, and, and this is also a, a huge stereotype, but I love this stereotype is that, you know, you you the older you get the more seriously people take you like Mm. you you sort of get more credibility the older you get you may not get better as a person you may be a piece of shit but your (laughs) your age gives you a little bit of weight and validity as you get older and I was really excited about that I wasn't excited about you know seeing my ass and titties slide down my body but (laughs) I was really excited about people just taking me a little more seriously and like you two you're just I mean like You're so young and cute, but you are in those, like, your years to me, like, I would never go back to your age again because, like, even though it wasn't that long ago for me, like, these are shit years. Like, I love that you're having so much fun because. I'm your age, Mandy. I don't know what you're talking about. You are not my age. You are absolutely not my age. I am. How old are you? I'm 41. No, you are not. I'm going to be 42 next month. Well, luckily, you're still not my age yet. Black (laughs) black don't crack. It don't crack. It don't. (laughs)
2: look like a baby sometimes mine cracks depending on like what i eat it cracks (laughs) on the inside i love that part but
3: it i just do i i love aging gets such a bad rap and it is your comedy gets better and your vibe gets better and i think you look a little better because like young people look dumb to me with their weird moon faces that are all like full of fat and collagen and (laughs) hope and like mush faces. And yeah, I just, I think like, I don't know. I'm a big birthday person. I think it's so nice. They really misled us to believe that our best years were, early and that's Mm. yeah, yeah. what trash that was.
2: That was a lot. So, I I don't
1: use age as a barometer for dating, I just look to see how much hope is in their eyes. (laughs) And I'm like, "Ah, This one's not ready yet. No,
3: absolutely not. Like, there's all that stereotype about Ron and I were working together this weekend, and he was saying something about old men dating younger women Mm. and how he was doing the stereotype of how much that upsets older women. And I said, you know, I, I think it may be a, d- the concept used to upset me, but now I love it. And he said, why? And I said, because when, a, when a man my age dates a much younger woman, he's telling me something about himself that I now can find out without having the terrible experience of having to date him myself, mm. which is that he doesn't want any type of a reality. You know, mm. he wants someone who is more a little bit, more new to whatever he's bringing to the table yeah. you know like if you're if you want someone with that much you know placenta on their face still you really do not you're not really open for a realistic experience right. it's like
1: playing three card monty like in, in new york you want a <laughs> there's a sucker board every minute <laughs> yes, yeah yes. you know what a person's been around yes. mandy i apologize we're, we're gonna have to wrap this up <gasps> we, we've time? yeah we've hit our hit our time Uh, Can you play That that
2: flowed. Drop. It
1: flowed. I could talk to you for another three hours. Yeah. Mandy, where can people find you and follow you on social media?
3: I got my first Instagram. Uh It's it's at Mandy Comedy. And unfortunately, my name is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. But it's at Mandy Comedy. And um, I always post my dates every month for where I'm going to be.
1: If you guys have never had uh, the pleasure, go 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 watch her show go watch her comedy show go watch her one woman shows yeah um you're gonna you're gonna thank me thaddy's jay mckee
2: yes you can find me at fab mckee on instagram and twitter and that's it uh zach ron
1: if you have a if you like what you hear here uh feel free to join our uh, patreon that's patreon.com backslash harder brunch each week we do a new after brunch episode And you can find me at at Dyke Michaels on all social media. Stick around for the Patreon. We're going to have a bunch of birthday guests on. It's going to be fun. Uh, It's only $3. This is the price of a cup of coffee. Uh, And we'll talk to you next time.
0: Or have a coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Depends on what kind of coffee. (laughs) Oh,
2: that was great.